0: All right, well, Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for the opportunity to come together today. God, again, I just pray for those that aren't here with us today. I pray that you would um, give them traveling mercies, Lord. I just um, pray as we go into this time of worship, God, that you would just um, help us to just focus on you, that you would just receive this time of worship, Lord, and um, Father, that we would just walk away changed um, from whatever you would have for us today, that we would be focused, that we would... Um, Just be open, Lord, and I just thank you, God, that you don't change, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You search and know, and still you wanna be close. There's no place.
1: Prayer for us today, Lord. God, that our hearts would be satisfied only in you, God. Father, you know where each of us are at today, and you know what we're challenged with and what we're facing. But God, I pray today that we would just set our eyes upon you, Father. I pray, God, that we would no longer desire the things of this world or seek the temporal things of life to find security in. But God, I pray that we would put our hope in Jesus and in Christ alone. For in you, Lord, are we secure? Father, you said that peace you give us, peace you leave us. And Father, that peace is wholeness nothing missing, nothing broken. So no matter where we've been or what we've done, Father, if we come to you, Lord, we can find that sense of, of wholeness, that sense of peace that security that each one of us long to have. So I pray, God, as we listen to your word today, God, that we would draw close to you. Father, in your word it says that if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. Yes. I thank you, Father, that you call all to come, just as we are. And in so doing, Father, I thank you that, Father, you transform us by renewing our minds. Father, there's no one like you. For you are God and God alone. Great is our God. May that be upon our lips today, God. And as we go forth this week, that we will give you the praise. God, that we would declare, great is our God. Yes. So Father, I pray that you would bind the enemy from any distractions today. I pray, God, that you would be with those who aren't with us today. I pray, God, that they would find encouragement and strength in you. I pray, God, if they're not feeling well, that you would touch them and heal them, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for your word. And as we open it, may you bless it, Lord. And may it take root in our heart, God, and produce fruit in our lives. So that ultimately, Father, our lives will bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 3 is where we're heading, and as we're walking through the Bible, and we're going to start today in Genesis 3, and then we're going to hit some scriptures in Matthew, and Psalms, and Proverbs, but, and actually it's not Genesis 3, it's Genesis 5, uh-huh. so chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to read through chapter 7, God begins this work in us. We don't come to Christ on our own. He draws us to Himself. The Bible says, yet though we were in complete rebellion towards God, He loves us. So no matter where we've been or what we've done, God is pursuing us. God is trying to awaken us to truth. His truth. Not man's truth. Not the temporalness of life that we see, but His truth. His eternal truth. God, from the beginning, I've I've encouraged you all, if you read the Bible from beginning to end, you will see God's purpose and plan. He longs to have a people who are set apart for himself, a people that he can call his own, and in return, they will call him their God, and they will live for him. Being a Christian is just not showing up for church. Being a Christian is living out. The Bible says we're not to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of the word. Because he's given us everything we need to live this godly life. He is faithful when we're not faithful. So even when we fall, even when we find ourselves in seasons of life discouraged, we can look up and draw close to him. Because he does not push us away. He longs for us to be connected to him. To live For him and with him. To abide with him. Because that is what eternity will be if you are his child. You will be in eternity with God. If you choose to rebel, if you choose not to receive the fullness of his love, then you spend an eternity apart from God. And I've been encouraging us, why would we choose his wrath over his love? We open up today with this scripture that to me, my God, it is a a display of God's wrath. But in this display of His wrath, we see such great compassion and love and salvation. Let's take a look at this. Chapter 5. Genesis. This is the written account of the descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female, and he blessed them and called them human. When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of the son who was just like him in his very image, and he named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years. And then he died. Hmm. When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Seth lived 912 years. And then he died. When Enosh was 90 years old, he became the father of Kenan. After the birth of Kenan, Enosh lived another 815 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan was 70 years old, he became the father of Mahalel. And after the birth of Mahalel, Kenan lived another 840 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalel was 65 years old, he became the father of Jared. After the birth of Jared, Mahalel lived another 830 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Mahalel lived 895 years, and then he died. When Jared was 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch. And after the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. died. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived close fellowship with God, After another 300 years, he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, and listen to this, verse 24. Walking in close fellowship with God, then one day he disappeared. Enoch did, because God took him. When Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. And after the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech was 182 years old, he became the the father of the son, and Lamech named him Noah. For he said, may he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord has cursed. After the birth of Noah, Lamech lived another 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. By the time Noah was 500 years old, he was the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. This lineage, this family history, all these names, was given to get us to Noah. Let's read about Noah. Chapter 6. Then the people began to multiply on the earth and daughters were I'm sorry. And daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and they took any I'm sorry, and they took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, listen to what the Lord has said. Verse 3. My spirit will not put up with them. My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespans will, no be, will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilimites lived on the earth. For whenever, whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of the ancient times. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. I read that again because I want us to hear that today. This is what the Lord observed back then in the days of Noah. And we're told that the times that Jesus is going to return again, the days that will be on the earth will be just like the days of Noah. Men will constantly Desire evil over good. So in verse 6 it says, So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of this earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. God sees the condition of man. And his plan is to wipe them off the face of the so many times we try to make God who we want him to be but i think we lose sight of truly who he is and how great he is and it's not we we don't make him we don't dumb him down to make him to be what we want him to be we need to see him for who he is he is holy he is the creator he is the one who is pursuing us revealing himself to us revealing his love revealing his mercy Revealing His kindness. Revealing His grace. And yet, we respond by pushing Him away. We respond thinking that the things of this earth are greater than the things of God. And God, God Himself, is storing up wrath his wrath and he's holding it back in hopes that people would come to him i love this next verse in verse eight because here we get this picture of this of wrath that god is going to deal with mankind he's going to deal with those that he has created He is going to wipe them off the face of the earth but there's a very important word that comes up And verse 6, I mean verse 8, but. Here's his plan, this is what he's going to do, but Noah. Remember we read through all those names to get to Noah? But Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah found favor with the Lord. I want you, I don't know if you've ever really given thought about this or not, But I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about the days in which Noah was living. It was corrupt. It was perverted. It was was so wicked that it prompted God to wipe out His creation. But yet, Noah found favor with God. Noah did not allow himself to get tainted By his generation. He did not give himself to what was going on around it. Noah found favor with God. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. The only blameless person living on the earth at that time. Could you imagine? And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah, remember, was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah walked in close fellowship with God. We, if we walk in close fellowship with God, we will not give in to the desires of the flesh. The Bible tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, we won't gratify the desires. We won't give in to the rebellion. No, we will remain close to God. Wow. That is great news in our generation and in the generations to come that we can walk close to God. If we would submit our lives unto Jesus, if we would just give ourselves to Him, if we would allow Him to finish what He has begun in us, If we would give him all authority and right to our lives. Oh, that we could walk close with God. In the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. We can walk upright. Not in and of ourselves, but all because of Jesus. We too can walk close with God. It says here in verse 11, Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on the earth was corrupt. Mm. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living things, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Listen to what he tells Noah. Mm. Build a large boat. From cypress wood and waterproof it with tar, inside and out. They construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look! I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that would destroy every living thing that breathes. Mm. Everything on the earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. Listen to verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Hmm. Could you only imagine. Noah had no concept of what a flood is. It wasn't raining on the earth at that time. But God spoke clearly to Noah. Noah, this is what I'm about to do. This is what you need to do. And we see that Noah did it. Wow. When everything was ready, chapter 7, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice, and take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and a female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. Seven days from now I will make the rains pour down on the earth, "'and it will rain for forty days and forty nights, "'until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created.' "'So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. "'Noah was six hundred years old when the flood covered the earth. "'He went on board the boat to escape the flood, "'he and his wives and his sons and their wives.' With them were all the various kinds of animals, those approved for eating and for sacrifice, and those that were not, along with all the birds and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. They entered the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. After seven days, the waters of the flood came and covered the earth. When Noah was six hundred years old, on the seventeenth day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth, and the rain fell in a mighty torrent from the sky. The rain continued to fall for forty days and for forty nights. That very day, Noah had gone into his boat. I'm sorry, into the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with the birds of every kind. Two by two they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and a female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord closed the door <laughs> behind them. The Lord closed the door behind them. <coughs> For 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat higher above the earth. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely on the surface. Finally, the water covered even the highest mountains on the earth, rising more than 22 feet above the highest peak. All the living things on the earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. The flood waters covered the earth for a hundred and fifty
0: days. Wow. Wow.
1: This is our God. This is our God. So many times we, we put the little characters and we put the little ark and we put Noah and oh that's cute and all but reality is God's wrath was displayed at that time such great destruction because of man's wickedness but we must remember but Noah he walked with God he was in relationship with with God. We must come to an understanding that the temporalness of life, the desires of of, of, of wickedness that are within us can no longer be what drives us. God has revealed himself through his son Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not Perish, but have everlasting life. And I heard it said the other day, I forgot who I was listening to, but so many times we, we look at that scripture, John 3:16, and we see such great love, but also we see such great wrath, because for those who do not receive his Son Jesus will perish. They will feel the weight of His wrath. And for eternity be separated from God. Not because God is a bad God. Some would look at this account that we just read and have a problem with God for doing what He did. But we must remember God didn't do it in a way that made Him just do it because He wanted to do it. No, He is a just God. They received what they wanted. These men on that earth at that time did not desire God. They desired themselves. Wickedness. And it was growing at a rapid pace. Remember, the earth was filled with such violence. And God is a just God. He doesn't answer to man. The created cannot question the creator. What God has planned, God will bring about. And praise be to God that he remembered Noah. (laughs) Mm. Remember God's plan to have a people that he can call his own. And in return they will call him their God. Noah, you Let's kind of break down these three scriptures or these three chapters that we just read. I told you about, we were given this lineage, um, this, this account of all of these births that took place to get us to Noah. Um, <clears throat> but before Noah, do you remember Enoch, the one I read about? Let's not miss that incredible account of Enoch. Look what scripture tells us about him. Enoch walked with God then he was no more. God took him away. In Hebrews 11.5 states, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He had such favor with God that he did not see death. God took him. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Enoch. Oh, that we would have a reputation of one who walks with God and as a person who pleases God. And there's something else we need to look at before we move on to really look at Noah because I don't want to read through Scripture and kind of miss kind of what's laid out before us. When the Bible talked about the sons of God, that they began to marry the women who were the sons of God. Theologians there's kind of two different responses. Theologians believe that, some believe that they were demons. They were fallen angels who began to take women as their wives and have intercourse with them. And they produced these children that were the giants, that they were the warriors of ancient times. And that's why such violence and, 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 and chaos began to grow upon the earth. That's one account. Other theologians believe that they were the grandson, I'm sorry, they were the men descended from Adam's grandson Enosh. And the, his grandson Enosh was faithful to the Lord. So he, they believe that, that these men who were set apart for God, who were faithful to the Lord, began to look at these women who were not of their, their, their lineage, of, 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 their, of their culture and so they began to intermarry with other cultures which then led them astray from God and in doing so brought about the wickedness upon the earth the bible does not really give us a clear understanding you can even look through and i'm going to send i'm going to put a link in our notes that you can go to and study both because from both accounts rather they were fallen angels or rather they were these descendants There's backing in both the Old Testament and the New Testament for both. We don't have a clear understanding. But what we do know, whichever they were, men began to really grow wicked at this time. Either way, we see that it did not please the Lord. The scripture declares the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every indication of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. We are told that the Lord was grieved, that He had made man on the earth, and His heart was filled with pain. It reminds me of that scripture in the New Testament when we are called not to live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. How is your life? If you're calling yourself a Christian, how are you living your life? Is your life pleasing to God, or are you grieving Him? We're not to grieve God people who are calling themselves Christians, people who, are, who have been set aside for God, people who God has, has called His own. We're not to be grieving Him. We're to be honoring Him. We're to be growing and maturing. Remember, perfection is not your goal. Maturing is. Growing each and every single day unto, unto the Lord. Serving Him and loving Him with your whole heart. We heard that Noah was a righteous man. And do we see that? And I talked about it earlier too, about not being tainted by the world, not being corrupt by what's going on out there, but abiding in Christ, allowing Him to to grow us, to mature us, to give us what we need to sustain in this generation when everything is warring against our very souls. You just turn on the television, you step outside, get among what's going on out there. And see the desires of man, see that anger and the frustration and the perversion and, and, and the murderous violence that's going on out there. We're not to partake of that. That is not to be who we are. We're to live differently. We're to have self-control because we've been given that. See, we've been given everything we need to live a godly life. But are we accessing it? Are we applying it? Are we living it? It's vital that we do. Because if we're not, remember what we read a couple weeks ago in Genesis. Sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to master you. But you must master it. Just as it was in the beginning, so it is today, and so it will be until he returns we are to remain faithful unto the Lord. And the account of the ark, it's a foreshadow of the cross. Think about that. Hmm. In Noah's day, those who entered in to the ark were what? Saved. Those who were left outside, perished. And so it will be on the day when Jesus returns, when the wrath of God hits this earth, those who are in Christ, are saved those who aren't in Christ perish
0: It's a
1: foreshadow of what is to come. Oh let us not play games with God. Let us not play games with God. He is a just God. <clears throat> and I love the account of of how he brought the animals in and how he brought. The man and the woman in. Mm. Noah, his wife. His sons and their wives. And of the animals, the male and female of each one. We've talked about this before and I'll continue to talk about this. God's design. Man and woman. It's the only way to reproduce. Reproduce. God's design. And yet, just as it was then, as it has been, and as it is today, and as it will be as it comes, perversion is running amok. Everyone's giving over to their sexual appetites. I don't care about it straight, gay, bi- whatever you want to call it. Giving over to their sexual appetite and not honoring God with their bodies. Not recognizing that God created sex and it is designed to be with a man and a woman in holy matrimony unto the Lord. Anything else is wicked and perverse. And God is not pleased with that. No matter how man wants to recreate it, no matter how man wants to try to redefine it,
0: God
1: has set forth, and what God has set forth is good. enemy, when man gets a hold of it, we ruin it. We ruin it. As Christians, we should be upholding a standard. And again, not fighting with people, not, not attacking people for how they want to live and what they want to do. All we could do is love them and serve them and uphold truth to them in hopes that they will turn to God but we can't go along with them. We can't change and try to dumb down God's message in hopes that they would feel comfortable. The gospel is not meant to make you comfortable. The gospel is meant for for conviction to come forth, to draw you closer to God, to show you your need for a Savior. And so we don't change God's message God has set it out from the beginning. He knows how things were designed. He knows how things ought to work. What he has begun, he is faithful to complete. And So I find it a beautiful account that how God brought in to the ark what God purposed to sustain life. Life. At the end of this chapter, the flood hit the earth and those on the outside, we've heard, were wiped out. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 and 39, it says here that the people will be living just like they were in the days of Noah when the Son of Man comes. They were destroyed in their rebellion. And so those who will not be in Christ on the day He returns will also be destroyed. So praise be to God, you all. We have that hope That is in Christ. Go to Matthew chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 7. We pick up with John the Baptist. Matthew 3 verse 7. But when he, meaning John the Baptist, saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. And that stopped there for a second. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were the religious men of the time. They were great scholars. For all intent, purpose, looking at them, you would think that they were godly men. They were leading God's people. If anyone would have been marked as being close to God, it would have been them. And yet, John the Baptist denounces them. In fact, listen to what he says to them. You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Who warned you? Who told you about what's going on here? You are a brood of snakes. And then he goes on and he says, prove by the way you live that you have (coughs) repented of your sins and turned to God. John, do you know who you're talking to? John, you're talking to the men of God. But in whose eyes? They held a form of religion. But they denied God's power. And I keep telling you all because the scripture tells us, those are whom you are to stay away from. You're not to stay away from the lost. You're to love and to serve them. But the Bible warns us clearly, have nothing to do with those who hold a form of religion but deny God's power. Those who confess Jesus but yet do not follow Jesus. They live in rebellion towards Jesus. John the Baptist was baptizing people. He was preparing them for Christ. These men show up, and he denounces them. And he tells them, who has warned you? Who has warned you about escaping the wrath of God? Prove by the way you live. In true repentance. Look what he says here. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And then he goes even further with them. Don't just say to each other, we're safe. For we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. These are powerful words you all. Do we really grasp what's going on here? He says, don't you dare use your status and mark yourselves saved. No. You call yourselves the children of Abraham? No. And then he reminds them how great God is. God can turn these stones, if He wanted to do, into children of Abraham. Your status means nothing. Your, your religious activities, your, your comings and your goings, and all of this brouhaha that you perform and do means nothing. John is preparing within his generation a way for the Lord. And he's not tolerating the religious. They didn't come to see uh, the baptism with the right heart motive. They came with their own plan and purpose. See, We got to really face reality, you all. As David cries out, we should cry out God, search my heart. Test me. See if there's any wicked way within me. What are my motives, God? Am I just a religious person? Or, God, am I truly a follower? God, am I really clinging to you? Or, God, am I trying to master you? Just do for me, God. Make my temporal life better. That's not Christianity. That's not what God has purposed. We don't change Him. He changes us. He humbles us. We see our need for such a Savior. And He freely gives. He doesn't expect us to change before we come to Him. He's not expecting, well, clean yourselves up and then come. No, He says, come, come. Come and receive. And in so doing, you're transformed by the way He transforms us, by the way we think, by renewing our mind. We start living differently. We start acting differently. We live a life of of humility unto Christ. We serve Him. We serve others. We don't think of ourselves greater. No, we humble ourselves and we keep ourselves low. And our hearts cry should be, Thy will be done. Thy will be done, Lord. That our lives would reflect this repentant life what it says there. That we have repented of our sins and we've turned to God. It's so easy for each of us and for the church to make the power of sin greater than the power of God. Because we talk more about our sins and more about our problems than we do our God. And when we fall in enslavement to sin... We make excuses for it as if God didn't do enough to set us free. But where is the preaching? Where is the Christians who are upholding the truth that God is a great God? And in sending his son Jesus to reconcile us back to him, he took upon our punishment. And in dying and in being resurrected, the Bible says that the power of sin and death were broken. And that we can be and live new lives. That we don't make excuses for our sin. And we stop making sin more powerful than our God. As if again, as somehow he didn't accomplish what he says he's accomplished. That when we are in sin, when we fall again enslaved into sin, that we don't stay down, that we get up. That's why the Bible says to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Because that's not where you belong. Repent. Turn back to God. Abide in Christ. Stay with Him. In close fellowship. He's for you. He's not against you. He understands our weakness. He understands the nature in which we were born into. But He's made provision. He understands the the challenges and everything that we're facing today. And He says, child, if you would just cling to me. And I want to challenge us today Who are we clinging to? What are we clinging to besides Him? Because we shouldn't be. We should be clinging to Him. We should be trusting in Him. Our hope is in the Lord. Our strength is in Christ and in Christ alone. And if it's not, then don't beat yourself up. Don't wallow around. Ask Him. Abba. Daddy, I need this today. Whatever you're lacking in, ask. Because he is faithful. Listen. He goes on to tell them even now, in verse 10, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming greater. I'm sorry, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with ever-ending, never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there, by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy, to the holy city of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will just kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Wow. You saw how the enemy tried to twist Scripture and use it. And yet Jesus didn't fall for his game. Jesus spoke clearly back and laid out the truth. And just as the enemy did with Jesus, so he does with us. To try to challenge our identity in Christ. Try to make you think. But don't give thought to what he proposes to you. Hold true to what God's truth is. The word of God says that if we submit ourselves to God, then resist the enemy, he will flee. Praise be to God. That our God is a great God. He gives us what we need. To endure each day. He doesn't doesn't neglect us. If you are a child of God, he does not neglect us. For he loves us. And he draws us to himself. He gives us the understanding as you as you if you read through scripture, especially in Ephesians 6, about spiritual warfare. And how we're to remain alert. And I love this when it scripture says, after you've done all you know to do, then stand. How can we stand if we're still being pressed up against? Jesus himself said, in this life you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. In reality, how many of us, when we're pressed in on every side, remain in good cheer, hopeful, joyful? But I believe what the Word of God says that we can obtain that. If we would just press into him. If we would just continue to mature. I mean, for goodness sakes, when most of those letters were written to the churches that we read telling them to be joyful, <laughs> they were under intense persecution. That would have been crazy thought. What do you mean be joyful? We're being persecuted. But they did, but that's the natural man thinking. It's not how they thought. Be joyful. Remain hopeful. Remain steadfast. Because God is for us. I think of those men a few years ago when ISIS lined up those Christian men on that beach to behead all of them. And as they were kneeling down, that their faces are still imprinted in my mind. The peace that was on each of their faces. I hear these stories of Christians who are under intense, you know, it doesn't even have to be that severe persecution. Just under intense trials. And yet, they are displaying such great hope and love. challenge me. So many times things blow against my life and I crumble. I want to give up. I get discouraged. I react in ways I shouldn't react.
0: And I go, God, these
1: testimonies of others give me hope that it's attainable. That I strive, God, not when things blow up against me to crumble, but I'll be able to stand. Like after you've done all you know to do, stand. Don't bow down. Don't 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 get overwhelmed and anxious. No, just stand in the assurance of who He is. Trust in Him. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So in these couple of chapters that we read there, we talked about how John approached these religious men. So to make sure I didn't miss anything. Jesus was not baptized just so we all have an understanding because he had sin. Jesus never sinned. He was baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. And then we see again the, the temptation of Jesus. And this is my encouragement for us there. That trials and testings and temptations are real. They are intense, but you must remember your identity in Christ. That you have been given everything you need to live a godly life, and that he makes a way out of every temptation. And don't argue with the devil. Or even communicate with them. Just speak the word. Remember to submit yourself to God. Then resist the enemy and he has to flee. He has no access unless you open the door. Giving him a foothold. Which leads to a stronghold. That will take you captive and lead you into rebellion. But even if strongholds are established. Draw into what Christ has laid out in his word. That he's given us everything we need to demolish those strongholds. Are you captivated by today by thoughts that are contrary to God's truth? Then pull them down. Pull them down. And the only way you ever have the strength to pull them down is by abiding in Christ and knowing His Word. That's why it's vital that you're in His Word. Because it's in the Word that you find your identity of who you are in Christ and the hope that we have. And then I love how Jesus ended this temptation in the garden, I mean, in the wilderness. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He reminded the enemy. And oh, that we would be reminded. Oh, that we would walk away today knowing that we are to worship God and him only. Listen to the last thing the enemy tried to tell Jesus. Bow down and worship me. And that's the very same thing he does to us each and every single day. Bow down and worship me. But oh, must we remember that the only one we bow down to is God. And we worship him and him alone. Draw close to him. Times on this earth are only going to get harder. That's not, well that's not good news. (laughs) Well the reality is I'm not trying to find good news on this earth. The good news has already been established, it's in Christ. He himself warns us of what the days will be like. And how this earth is going to continue the way it's going. We read earlier about the days of Noah. We are told as well, again, we'll bring it back up, that the day before he returns is going to get even worse than what it was like in the days of Noah. But, oh, people, we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are purposed for this time and for this day. As long as we have breath and our body, no matter how old we are, how young we are, if we are a believer, we have purpose. You are to be the light Of the world as we were studying on Friday night. You are to be the salt and the light. You have a purpose. We must live as though we belong to God. Not live as if we're still in rebellion to God. Following the ways of sinners. That's not how we're to be living. There is a way to live. To please God. Not to grieve him. Go to Psalms, Psalm chapter, I mean, uh, Psalm 3, and we're going to read that one, and then we're going to Proverbs 1. Psalm 3 talks about going the ways of sinners. Psalm three. 3, oh O Lord, I have so many enemies. Proverbs is where we're heading next, and that talks about going the way of sinners. But Psalm three. 3, oh O Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, O oh Lord, are my shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of ten thousand enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face, shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. Such hope and comfort that we can take away from this portion of Scripture. Though we may have many enemies, though we may be facing many giants ahead of us, our hope is in God and in God alone. I want you to hear these points that that I... Jot it down here, and I hope that you'll take away when you get the notes, that you'll go back to this portion and pull out these points and put them in front of you this week and meditate upon them. Listen to this good news. He is a shield around you. God is your protector. God is your deliverer. God is your provider. You are safe in Him. Listen to the next one. He bestows his glory on you and will lift up your head. Are you downcast? Is your situation at times hopeless? You must put your hope in God and God alone. Only he can lift up your head. And I'm not just saying that because, oh, that sounds good to say. No, I have... Battled with depression. I know what it's like to be at, at the end. I know what it's like to be in the pit of darkness. Lost all hope. As a Christian. I lived years as a Christian. Enslaved to anxiety and panic attacks.
0: I had no hope.
1: Only God came to my rescue and lifted up my head. Only God can do that for us. If we would just turn and set our eyes upon him. Those years were hell. Not just for me, but for Gilda and for my loved ones. They watched me waste away when I would just go to my room and close the door and just stay in bed. Those who weren't close to me didn't know what was going on. I showed up for work. I performed. I showed up and ministered. I performed, but I was dead inside. And I was empty, and I was lost, and I was broken. But God, He was my shield around me, and He lifted up my head. So if you're downcast today, life is just hard, then child of God, lift your head and trust in God because He's the one that lifts it up. He's the one that can remind you of how great He is. And His love for you, nothing can compare to it. For His love endures forever. Point three that you can take away from this psalm. He answers you when you cry out. When you cry out. When you're encamped. About. And your enemies are surrounding you. And it seems like your situation is hopeless. Cry out. And he will answer you. We've talked a lot up here about Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. He was encamped about, his enemies were encamped about him, ready to destroy him and his people. But God, as the man of God approached Jehoshaphat, and gave him a word from the Lord, Jehoshaphat responded in prayer, leading his people into prayer, crying out unto God. And God's word to Jehoshaphat was, Get up and go face your enemies. Remember the famous line? The battle is not yours, but it's the Lord's. The next morning, Jehoshaphat prepared for war. got his army together. But do you remember who he put out before his army? The worshipers. The worshipers marched before his army. And remember the song that was given to them to sing? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. And when that began to be praised, when praise began to be lifted up unto God, God turned the enemies against each other and they devoured themselves. And Jehoshaphat and his nation gained the victory all because of what God did for them. And as it, as it was for Jehoshaphat and, as it, and how it's been throughout God's word, God's people gained the victory in praise. Cry out unto God. Because He will hear and He will answer. Another point. Rather you are sleeping or awake, He sustains you. He keeps you. Oh, and I love this one. You are not to fear, for He is your deliverer. And His blessing is upon you. These points, you all. I hope you look at the notes. I hope you grab them out of the notes. I hope you put them before you this week and find comfort in them. Let them not just be words. Let them be truth. Let them be truth. Proverbs 1. Remember, the Bible says it's the truth that sets us free. Walk in His truth. Not in your truth. Not in what your circumstances look like. Not in anything that tries to come to distract you. But truth should be defining you. Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. truth, And he is the life. Truth. There's so much junk out there trying to distract us. That we can get so caught up in our hearts and our minds are to be fixed (coughs) on him.
0: Truth. Truth.
1: Proverbs 1 verses 9, I mean verses 10 through 19. That's where we're ending today. My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone. Just for fun, let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we will get. We'll find our house I'm sorry, we'll fill our house with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. Do not go the ways of the sinners. If sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Destruction is their end. They are fools following their flesh, and the flesh only knows how to die. They are leading themselves to destruction. It may look good at the moment, but you better get thought before you jump in. And don't go the ways of sinners, but remain in union with God through His Son Jesus. Abide in Christ. Trust in Him. Trust that He is faithful to complete what He has begun. The Bible says to turn your back on those who come to entice you. To go their way. And I would also add. Turn from your own desires. That come to entice you. To go your way. Because the Bible says where does sin come from? It comes from the desires that are within. It's not someone else doing it to you. It's within you. You give birth by giving in to those desires, whatever they may be. But we must remember that greater is He that is in us than he that is in this world. We must remember that it's the truth that sets us free, and we can live as free people. And we've talked about this before, and in being free people, we don't use our freedom to do what we want. No, we use our freedom to serve and to love others. We have the message of freedom to take to a world who is enslaved. And as we talked about on Friday night, they're not, going to, not everyone is going to receive that. In fact, it's going to make others angry. Because just your very presence exposes their sin and their rebellion. The Bible says that to some you will be a fragrance of life, to others you will be a stench of death some will receive this message of reconciliation which you if you're a child of God have been given to go forth and to let others know that you can be reconciled to God through Christ Jesus some will receive it others will continue to reject it but for your part as a child of God hold fast hold tightly to him and rest assured he will accomplish and finish what He has purposed. Listen, your Christian life is not about you. It's about Him. So yield to Him. Be encouraged, you all. It's a lot that we read today. I want to encourage you to go back through these scriptures. See the hope that is, that is within them. That yet though, God's wrath is being stored up. God has made a way that mankind would not have to endure his wrath through his son Jesus. No greater love than this has ever been displayed. That a man will lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. He laid his life down. So that you wouldn't experience his wrath that you would be filled with hope because of his great love for you. I'm going to end with this song and then I'll close us in prayer.